Hi there, working homeschool mom. This is Charlotte from Charlotte Jones 24-7 and My Little Homeschool. And this is episode number 65 of the Strike a Balance podcast for working homeschool moms. And today's episode was one where I learned so much. I speak to veteran homeschooler Michelle Holmes, who has over 30 years of experience homeschooling her kids and running a co-op. And she speaks about homeschooling high school, where things start to change, where you start to feel pressure that you have got to launch your kids into the adult world or get them ready for college. It was just such a useful episode. If you are getting towards the high school years or if your kids are in high school and you're homeschooling them, then this is definitely an episode you're going to want to listen to. Before we get to the show, I'd be ever so grateful if you could rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It just helps more working homeschool moms to find it. And in that way, we can build this community together. Thank you so much. Hello and welcome to the Striker Balance podcast for working homeschool moms. This is Charlotte Jones. I'm a homeschool coach and homeschooling mom of twin boys. I know it can feel really overwhelming to keep all the balls in the air all the time. So each week I chat about tips and strategies for being a happy and thriving working homeschool mom that you can implement in your life too. I also speak to awesome and inspiring women who manage to juggle homeschooling and work successfully and find out what their secrets are. Be sure to check out my time audit and mindset challenges the show notes and sign up to my newsletter for lots of cool freebies. And if you ever need to chat, please book in a session with me. I'm so excited for you to be here and I hope you'll get so much value out of this episode. So let's get started. Are you looking for a new math curriculum? Well, I'm thrilled to introduce our favorite math curriculum to you. CTC Math specializes in providing online video tutorials that take a multi-sensory approach to learning. Favorably reviewed in Kathy Duffy's 102 Top Picks and the Old Schoolhouse Crew Review, the lessons are short and concise to help your children break down concepts and appreciate math in a whole new way. The lessons are taught the traditional way and not to a test. Each one of the video tutorials is taught by an internationally acclaimed teacher, Pat Murray, who is renowned for teaching math concepts in a simple, easy to understand way and in only a few minutes at a time. Using a multi-sensory approach means having the combination of effective graphics and animation synchronized with the voice of a friendly teacher together with a practical assessment. This three-pronged attack makes learning so much easier and more effective. Even students who struggled with math are getting fantastic results, and ones who were doing okay before are now doing brilliantly. Visit ctcmath.com today to start your free trial. CTC Maths is generously offering my listeners an amazing special. Go to www.ctcmath.com forward slash MLH to get a half price discount plus a bonus six months for free. That's C-T-C-M-A-T-H dot C-O-M forward slash M-L-H. Today I'm chatting to Michelle Holmes, a veteran homeschooling mom of 30 plus years who helps homeschooling parents take on the high school years with confidence. The training and tools she provides through her company, Homeschool Directive, are the result of years of experience both homeschooling each of her eight children through high school and coaching hundreds of parents of teens through the homeschool co-op she created and ran for 20 years. Michelle and her husband, Ed, live in Northern Illinois, but love traveling to visit their 12 grandkids. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today, Michelle. Oh, thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Charlotte. I appreciate it. 
So before we get into our topic for today, maybe you could tell me how you juggled working and homeschooling. Oh, with a lot of with a lot of patience. <laughs> On top of homeschooling my eight children, I I started back in the 1990, so I've been homeschooling a long time. So I've had to navigate the community changing and um, and navigating each of my children. They all homeschool differently, which you think there should be a handbook. And if you have more than one child, they should all do it the same way. It would make life so much easier. But I did run our own. We had our we own our own business, and then I started and ran to um, nonprofits. And so I've had a lot of experience trying to navigate getting school done, but yet still focusing on my goals and, um, and the things that I wanted to do. Excellent. And I think that's a really important topic because sometimes we feel guilty, maybe especially as working homeschool moms, because we feel that we should be concentrating on homeschool, but we also obviously need to do things for ourselves and we also need to work. How do you kind of navigate that kind of feeling of maybe feeling like you are not giving your kids as much as you feel they should get? Well, I thought it was important that that my children saw me being a role model and that they knew that I had goals also and that they saw me playing that out and balancing my life, especially I have six girls and two boys. And I thought it was just an important role model for them to see me. Entrepreneurship is in our home. And so um, a lot of my kids have ran businesses also. And so the guilt really comes into play when you're starting to compare yourself to other homeschooling people. <laughs> like once, if I just focused on my home and really evaluated what was in our best interests, then the guilt was never there. It's when I did the comparison game and I saw other parents maybe doing more field trips than we had planned, or they were doing these wonderful projects that were very heavily involved and, you know, lots of crafting and all of that. So the comparison game was something that I had to work through very early, especially as I had more children and our life just started looking different than all the homeschoolers, um, families around us. I love that. That is, yes, that is so very important because I always say the comparison game is something that you really need to get rid of very, very early because it can really take all the joy out of the homeschooling experience. Yes, that's a really, really good point. All right. So now we're going to be talking about something quite specific. So we're going to be talking about getting credits from homeschooling. So maybe you can start by telling us what exactly a credit is. Well, let's talk about high school. So high school is this transition, right, from middle school up to high school. And for some reason, and it doesn't matter if you're a veteran homeschooler or if you join the homeschooling community at that junior high, high school level, it is all so foreign. And most of us went through traditional high school. Um, we went to a private school or we went to a public school. And you think that we understand what is going on. But then we start thinking credits and graduation requirements. And all of a sudden, this very confident homeschooler that was me, like I was doing this, my kids were reading well, and we were doing all these things. But then all of a sudden there's this switch to high school thinking and how does a credit work and what are graduation required credits and like oh, what I'm supposed to do geography and I'm supposed to be doing you know maths and I'm supposed to be doing sciences and I it's so crazy of what 
I was expected to do as the homeschool parent, not not being a teacher. That wasn't my formal education and trying to navigate that. So first and foremost, I needed to understand what the educational branches were and I needed to understand what a credit meant. And so once I narrowed it down and, you know, like I said, I started homeschooling back in the 90s. We didn't have the internet as easy access information. So it was just a lot of calling schools and asking them what they were doing and just did like a lot of research and tried to figure this mysterious thing of credits out. And what it came down to is that a credit is just basically a measurement of some completed work. And I've created a system within my home and I shared it with hundreds of parents that especially if you are homeschooling, you're not using traditional textbooks, let's say that you're doing child-led or you're unschooler, you're Charlotte Mason, it doesn't matter. At the high school level, you have to capture what your kids are doing it and putting it down in paper in the form of credits because that's what we do in the United States. It's traditional. And if they're wanting to go to the university, I got to give them this document, a transcript with these credits on there. And so I really had to strip down what a credit meant. A credit is a measurement of some work done, and that can be accomplished a couple of different ways in your home. And I think this is the tricky part for homeschoolers to understand that um, it's not just a textbook. Now, I believe all curriculum is wonderful. I believe that it all services our community differently, but they're just tools. It's just somebody came up with a course and sold it to us. (laughs) And so, but for our, our home, which we were child led education, We did things a lot different than just sitting down and doing a box curriculum. So I needed to understand how was I going to measure and put down on a a transcript and a credit form what my kids were doing. And so I kind of wrapped that around to four different ways of doing that. Would you like me to share those four different ways with you, Charlotte? Yes, absolutely. I think that'll be really, really useful. Okay. So the first way is time time-based, and that is based on 120 hours. Because what I did is I called all the schools in our area, not all of them, but there just so happened to have been a top top school article that came back in the newspaper back in the day when you actually got those things at your home. And I called those 20 schools, and I realized that those 20 schools average about 120 hours a semester. And what's interesting, that that's the pretty standard time for a school, even if you're time-based. So some states in the United States require you to have so many school hours when you count it all down and you break those up between days and school hours and stuff, it comes out to about an average of 120 hours. So if I based my credits around time spent on something, I could give a high school credit for that. Another way was that that was mastery. And I used mastery when there was something specific. For instance, when you finish this textbook and let's say it's math and you do this math math book and you finish it, then I can issue you a credit in that subject. Or it could be, for instance, computer science. I would give my kids a, um, about 20 different projects, typing at 45 words a minute with 90% accuracy. They had to do a PowerPoint um, and so on, an Excel spreadsheet. And once they accomplished those things that I wanted them to accomplish, then I gave them a credit around those subjects. And then then the third one was exposure. This way that I approached a credit around exposure was my goal with this subject is just expose my kids. I don't need mastery. I don't necessarily want to count 
time, but let's say it was Shakespeare and I wanted to expose them to Shakespeare and give them a credit in, let's say, survey of Shakespeare. (laughs) And um, we were going to go to some Shakespeare plays. They were going to be in a reader's theater. They were going to be watching um, some Shakespeare plays and so on. So my goal for that was exposure. And then, then the fourth way is to do a combination of all three of those together. And if you'd like me to give you an example of what that looks like, I could do that for you, Charlotte. Yes, absolutely. I think once again, I think that'll be really useful. Yeah. So the way that you can combine those three together is let's say that your children are working on Spanish and let's say they're they're in a co-op and they're taking a co-op class. And you know that that co-op class is going to be by the time you start to the time that you finish with the homework, with attending class, let's say that they're going to do a recital in Spanish or, you know, that whatever that class entitled is entangled in, then you're going to like know that that's about 50 hours that they're going to spend in classroom time and stuff like that. Even if it's in a co-op class, you might add some extra things to it. Let's say mastery that you want them to to be able to read 500 flashcards in Spanish. So the mastery would be once they can sit down with you and do 500 um, 500 vocabulary words in Spanish, that that would be a mastery. And then exposure would be that they're going to go to a Spanish festival, attend a movie in Spanish, and so on. So that's kind of like combining that all together um, when it's not so clear cut, right? You don't necessarily have a, a textbook or you don't you want them to spend a lot of time in something and you want to have them be exposed to something. So that's how you can combine that all together and issue a credit. So an issuing a credit is just saying that that course that you set out for them to do, either an internal course that you've done yourself or you've outsourced it outside your home, that that coursework has been done and now you're issuing them a grade and you're issuing them a credit. So the credit is issued after the coursework is done. Okay, that's a really, really interesting concept because I think it can also kind of give you confidence that you are moving forward because I think sometimes, especially maybe with unschooling or child-led learning, that sometimes you feel like you can't see the progress or they can't feel like you're moving forward. So I think it's probably a good exercise to do just so you can see the progress for yourself as well, I think. It's a big struggle with child-led and unschoolers because they're like, what, you want me to document and set goals and you want me to measure what they're doing, but we just do learning organically. And I understand that struggle, especially having eight children that I homeschooled differently. They all had their own educational experience. It did take a little bit more effort on my part, but it did feel more organic because I reminded myself that something doesn't have to be done in a certain amount of time. Let's say that they were in choir at a co-op and we know that that choir, just with a little bit of thinking through, okay, that that choir in a co-op would only be about 25 hours, la-di-da-da-da, they're going to do some practicing at home, they're going to go out into the community and do some recitals and and so on. And that only came out to 50 hours plus the time that they spent doing that. My daughter might have wanted a full credit in choir, so that was over two years years that then I could put that credit on her transcript. I think that's the most important thing that a credit can be accomplished in a short amount of time or it could be accomplished over a couple of years. And so that's the way that you can capture what your kids are involved in 
and allow them the freedom to spend a lot of time in the things that they love and still capture. So I tell my kids, we can turn anything that you do into a credit. And that's what I've coached hundreds of parents over the years. Like whatever your kids are doing, we can turn it into a credit. And I think another important point, if you're not using a box curriculum, that you can integrate more than one of the educational branches around one topic. Okay, yes. And I think if you put it that way, where you're saying, okay, so maybe it's going to take us two years to get this credit, I think it also still gives the flexibility, though, doesn't it? Because that's what most of us, I think, as homeschoolers appreciate is the fact that we have the flexibility to meet our kids where they are, and to give them more time or even less time if they need less time to to do something. Exactly. And I think, but there's just something that happens when you get to that high school level where you feel the pressure, right? I only have four more years with this child. And if I don't do high school right, I will mess them up for the rest of their lives. And we all of a sudden go from this really relaxed homeschooler at the younger grades. All of a sudden we start feeling this pressure. We start seeing what other people are doing around us or other kids are doing around us. And then we start pushing our kids a little harder. It kind of negates the whole reason why we're supposed to be doing things in their own time. And, and yes, we're supposed to be working on our children's weaknesses and encouraging their strengths. But I think we have to do a little soul searching as the parent. What is your ultimate goal? So for instance, I always encourage everyone, all the parents that I coach, that they write a vision and mission statement. The homeschool parents that are working, and if you've run your own business, or if you're working for a company, they have vision and mission statements. They know what their ultimate goals are going to be for a product or a service that they're they're offering. And, you know, running a business, I kind of like, well, what kind of children do I want to launch into adulthood? How am I going to onboard these teens to be functioning adults? Like what type of a child launches into adulthood? And so by having a vision and mission statement, I realized what was important. And this was a, a collaborative between me and my husband. Like we had academy goals. We, for instance, all of our children had to do so many service hours every semester. And we had these goals for the academy for our for our homeschool. And then we had individual goals for our children. And then we had our graduation requirements. And so they, they all had to melt around this vision and mission statement. And um, so I encourage parents to do that because as you're starting to feel that anxiousness that comes at high school, you're like, okay, for instance, I had to really think about this cramming kids' heads with a lot of information to get through high school. That's what I was feeling, this this burden to, you know, have four maths, have um, four Englishes, and, and what about science and all of these things. And I had to step back a little bit, and I knew that I wanted to accomplish those things, but it, my job was not to fill my kid's head with a bunch of knowledge. My job, according to our vision and mission statement, was to make lifelong learners. And so when you really focus in on that, and if I can create a credit out of whatever my children are doing, it it reinforced that I didn't have to cram my kids' heads with a lunch, lot of information, but I could go at my children's own pace. We could encourage their weaknesses and work on them, and we could foster their strengths. And it would give us this, this time, you know, during this high school years to foster these things that we wanted to. And even though we had these graduation requirements, we could still step back and go, okay, 
this was a good day. This was how we're going to do this credit. And this is what it looks like for you. And in our home, I've had children that are gifted. And then I've had a son who didn't even read until he was 12 years old. So my children all have presented themselves differently. I have a daughter that's severely dyslexic. And so they're all of their high school experiences look completely different because of um, their individuals and they all approached learning differently. And, you know, my oldest daughter who loved reading and, you know, when she got grounded, I grounded her from reading because she would love to be sent to her room and be able to read all day to a son who told me that fiction was a waste of time. <laughs> so it was really trying to figure out what was the best educational course for them. I have kids who are still elementary aged and you've really given me a lot of food for thought about obviously them in high school. So what would you say are some, what is the most important part of home education for a teenager? Because I can imagine it's very different, obviously, to homeschooling an elementary age kid. Maybe there's some resistance as hormones start raging and things like that. So what kind of things do you have to keep in mind when you're homeschooling a teenager? Well, I think you just hit on the first most important part that the hardest thing about homeschooling all the way through high school is getting through middle school. <laughs> if you can get through middle school, high school's a cakewalk. <laughs> all those hormones and everything. I think that for some parents, there is a little bit of resistance at the high school level. For our home, I really wanted my children to understand that our home is a private school. Almost every state in the United States considers homeschoolers, a private school. And I told them that um, my diploma is not a lie. I'm issuing you this. My transcript is a reflection of what you have done in your home. I needed to have that vision mission statement so I could share with them. I realized um, that I needed to have graduation requirements because as homeschoolers, my children needed to know when it was going to be over. <laughs> they needed at that high school level, like I didn't even do report cards or anything up until high school. So this was a bit of a change for us. I'm in Illinois and I didn't, I didn't have to report. I didn't have to do a lot of things that some of the states do. So when we got to high school and all of a sudden I'm like, you know, we're going to do this thing called the transcript. I'm going to actually keep track of your grades and so on. There was this conversation of these are the things that we're requiring of you. But the beauty is, is that we can, you get to be a participant in how that's going to happen for you. It's getting your team to buy in to the vision that you have for them and, and partner with them and have them be a part of the conversation. I realized really early on that if I got a 100% buy-in or let's even say 90% buy-in from one of my kids that they knew why they were doing this subject or what was the purpose behind these things that those courses went a whole lot easier. So getting the buy-in and having your children understand that this is in their best interest for to doing that and allowing them to have a voice in what that's going to look like. Now, sometimes, you know, you might come with a student and that not Every single subject is going to be their favorite. And you're like, that's okay. You know, this, for instance, if um, they're taking a math class and um, I have a daughter that, uh, that has math dyslexia, the conversation for her was, I do have these graduation requirements, but I have flexibility. So what I might normally require, I can change that up a little bit because it might take you two years to get through Algebra 1 
where another kid might have taken them six months. And so understanding that by this conversation of what it looks like for them, I'm teaching them to be an advocate for themselves. I really support a weekly check-in with teens where they can, you sit down and you ask them how their week's gone, what's hindered them, what make their week successful. What you're doing is you're, you're training them to be self-aware how to navigate their week. Um, and it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't make a difference if you're an unschooler, if you're Charlotte Mason, if you're using traditional books. It is just as important to work on executive skills and adult onboarding lessons throughout those last four or five years of their education. Absolutely. I always talk about the life skills that you have the possibility of teaching your kids. And I think obviously, as they get older, these become even more important. But I think that's such a fantastic way to approach it. And also, I guess the idea of allowing them to take ownership of their future as well, I think, because like you said, getting buy-in is how you avoid reluctance and resistance. Yes, 100%. Over and over again, if a, a homeschool parent was struggling at the high school level, there was usually two things that was happening in that home. The first one is that they had no clue, the parent nor the child, of what was expected of them. They didn't understand credits. They don't understand that graduation requirements is something that can look different for every home. And so it's really interesting that once you understand that a state has a graduation requirement for the public school. And you would be surprised. Like for instance, in the state of Illinois, it's like less than 17 credits. I think it's like 16.75. But when I was in school, I had to have like 22 credits. And I, I, I was so confused by that. So then I realized like doing some more research that every state has a minimum and each school gets to decide. They have to meet that minimum, but then they get to add to it. And I'm like, oh, so a school, I have three high schools within five minutes of me. They each have different grading systems. They each have different graduation requirements. And they get to, once they, if the long as they meet the 16.75, they get to add to it. And so that freed me up to realize that, oh, my homeschool, like according to my state homeschool laws, I have to have a comparable education as the public school. I'm like, okay, 16 credits. Most of my kids had that done by the time they were a sophomore. <laughs> I was like, okay, we can do this whole homeschool thing. And so uh, I think that that's really important to understand that if you're struggling, it's probably because you don't know where you're headed and you don't understand the graduation requirements. And the second thing that happens usually at the high school level is that we've overscheduled our teens. And we haven't taken into consideration all of the different expectations that happens to a homeschool teen. It's not like us that went to public or private school. I'll give you an example. My oldest daughter helped me understand this. Um, she graduated college when she was 20. So we took advantage of the community college. So she was taking college classes during high school and she was taking co-op classes and um, she had her own projects that she was working on and different things. So, so it seemed like to me that my expectations of homework and stuff that she needed to do in the home was usually the last thing on the totem pole. Everybody else's expectations and what they were asking her to do was um, always done. And all of a sudden, my daughter, who always did 
everything on time, like formal learning came really easy for her. And so we sat down and had this conversation. And it was through this conversation that I realized like, oh, she has the co-op teacher. She has the community college teacher. She has my expectations and her own expectations. But none of us talk, unlike when I was in high school and on the softball team, my coach had access to my teachers. And, and if I was doing bad in those subjects, you know, I didn't get to play because they all could communicate and talk to each other. And so a homeschool teen is a presented with more challenges than you think as a homeschool parent until you really sit down and you realize like this one teacher is asking this of them, like all the different deadlines that they're juggling. And as business owners, you're like, if you step back and you think about that as high school for your homeschool teen is different than yours experience and that they're juggling how many different timelines and how many different people's expectations. It's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. And I think that's a really important thing. So if you're struggling at this high school level, it might be that your teens are overscheduled and that or that you don't understand the expectations that have been put on them. I actually coached one family. We sat down. I have this tool called a 24 hour day. We go through that and the kid was scheduled for 30 hours a day. Oh my gosh. And you just she didn't realize it. And then another another family that I was helping, she actually had her kid signed up for three different language arts classes. This kid was doing three different language arts programs. Well, no wonder the kid is struggling. The expectation was just too much for for him to to accomplish as it should have been having three different language arts programs thrown at you at one time. My goodness, yes. <laughs> The poor, the poor kid. Yes, I can imagine. But I think that's really good as a coach that you're able to give people the outside perspective. And I think that's what is so fantastic about it is to say, you know, let's break it down and let's actually see because sometimes when you're in the depths of it, it's hard to actually see the wood for the trees because it's, you know, there's so much stuff going on all the time and things like that. So I think that's a really fantastic thing to to offer homeschooling families. Understanding how you're going to approach high school differently than you did the elementary ages, as you should. You should be approaching it differently. So whatever your educational philosophy is, it can be adapted to capture what your teens are doing it to put on a transcript. That helps you see the forest <laughs> for the tree just by uh, breaking it down a little bit. It does. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. And finally, is there anything you're working on at the moment and where is the best place to connect with you? Well, I'm really excited to announce to, to your audience that I just launched an umbrella school. I just launched in, in February. Well, I'm getting away from coaching as far as just individual coaching because I'm focusing on, on this umbrella school. I was getting asked over and over again, like, we need help with transcripts and we need help with child-led education of like how to put that down into a cohesive thing that we can translate that into a transcript. And, and then people needed a little bit more guidance. And so I launched this umbrella school and it is focused on high school. We do allow children 11 and up to join um, this umbrella school, but our focus is high school. 
where it is from a child-led educational philosophy. So it doesn't matter if you're an unschooler, like I said, Charlotte Mason, or even if you're using traditional books and you just don't know how to capture that information, the Umbrella School is here to hold your hand through the process and um, issue that transcript for you. I think with the busy parents that you have out there, if it's just one less thing that they have to be responsible for and that it would really help them navigate this high school level of learning in their home. And so that's the focus of the Umbrella School is to help those parents navigate high school, be there, be available to them whenever they have a question, and then help them take integrating one topic into um, a couple of different educational branches. We can help you with that. And just having somebody's hand to to hold through the process. And then somebody else does the transcripts. It's beautiful. <laughs> so we are homeschooldirective.com. That's where you can find all about the Umbrella School. And we just launched. So if your audience joins, they will be part of the founders and kicking this off. Fantastic. It sounds like it's going to be incredibly useful. And like I said, you've given me a lot of food for thought because I'm like, oh, I'm getting the hang of this homeschooling thing. <laughs> I know it's so tricky because like then all of a sudden your kids get a little older and you're like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> wait, wait, I have to do what? Wait, we have to do geography? Do we have to do like, what do we have to do? And I, and if I can just reiterate, that it is okay that your homeschool does not look like everybody else's homeschooling, especially if you're running a business or you're having to work outside the home. It is okay for school to happen. We used during certain seasons, especially my children were like in fall sports, being in homeschool leagues and stuff. We started practice like at two o'clock in the afternoon. We had to do school on the weekend at the high school level. Like we called it Sunday school. We did <laughs> in the afternoon on Sunday, we would do school. So be okay with how formalized learning and different things that's happening in your home. It doesn't have to happen between eight and three. It can happen anytime. It can happen at nighttime. It can happen. My one girlfriend, I just loved her, her philosophy, like her kids didn't start school until 11 and they stayed up until 11. Like at teens, like they didn't even get their day started until after lunch. <laughs> so I've seen homeschooling happen so many different ways. And that's the beauty of it is that I think that I'm on the other side and I've seen hundreds of teens, especially since our co-op was focused on high school. We had over 200 students, but it was focused on high school. I've seen hundreds of teens homes being homeschooled differently. And it's amazing when the parents were really in tune, like they, those teens launched into adulthood and all are successful. It's, it's such an exciting thing for me to see these um, teens that I saw you know, being 15, 15, not really sure what they're doing now, 28 and on the other side of, you know, college or trade schools or whatever they're doing and actually having families like my children. I have adult children who are homeschooling their own children. And it's just a wonderful thing to see. Yeah, I can imagine that is. Thank you so much for sharing such valuable insight today, Michelle. It really, really was an amazing episode. And it was really a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Drop me a DM on Instagram or post on the Working Homeschool Mom support group over on Facebook. And let me know what resonated the most with you. 
It would also be great if you could rate, review and subscribe or share the podcast with a working homeschool mom who might need it. It's my mission to support as many working homeschool moms as possible. Until next time, take care.